Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. The most important words that we heard from the court case today was not necessarily the fact that it sounds like clearly the judge is going to release finally some of the portions of the affidavit in the Mar-a-Lago raid of Trump's private home there in Florida. I think the most important part was that we heard that what was in the courtroom, because remember, no cameras in the court. It's a federal court there in West Palm Beach. But what was really surprising was when we heard from the attorney who's representing the media, because remember, the media, we're all trying to get the release of the affidavit because it really is of public interest. But what was fascinating was the attorney who was representing the media came out and she said that they basically said in court, that it is the early phases of the investigation and that releasing the affidavit, this is what she says the DOJ side said, the Department of Justice side said, would hurt the early phases of the investigation because they're just at that early phase. And my jaw dropped. I thought, oh, my goodness, are you kidding me? That they would raid the former president of United States home over, quote, an early phase of an investigation, if that doesn't say to you that this is a fishing expedition, I don't know what does. Usually when you go in and you raid a location, especially as high up as the president of the United States, that would be the last thing because you'd want to dot all your I's, you'd want to cross your T's, you'd want to say, okay, well, we got it from all these other different directions, and now we have to go into the president's home to do XXX. But yet... It was revealed today that in court, the government side is actually saying that they're just at the beginning phase of their investigation. So this really is a fishing expedition. They are throwing out the rod and they're trying to see whatever little uh, bites they can get. And that's probably why that affidavit was probably, hey, we need to go in here. We need to go in here. We need to go in here. And that's why that search warrant, which we know already has been released, we've seen that and we've heard about that. That's why it was so broad, because they really are in the beginning phase of their investigation. But to me, that actually, I think, is so troubling for the Justice Department, because if you're going to go after somebody as big as the president of the United States, the former one, and someone who is likely to be a soon-to-be candidate again for president, you better have your ducks in order. You better have a whole bunch of facts in line. You don't just kind of randomly raid a former president's home 
and say, well, this is the beginning. We're just trying to see what kind of things we can pull together. What are you planning on going back next month to get more information? But that could explain exactly why when they went in, they went in and they went in and just kind of took everything. And we know that they also took President Trump's passports. They returned the passports. But that would explain why they went in with basically a big old pickup truck. I'm being, you know, facetious and like loaded up the truck and said, "Okay, now we can pull out and we can basically see what's in there later. And we're also finding out that, of course, you know, some folks said there should be a special master on the Trump side to go through those documents. And apparently DOJ has denied that. So they are not allowing anybody else to see this big swath of documents and everything else, and including probably clothes out of Melania's closet. We don't know what they took out of her closet. Um, but all these different things that were taken in this raid, now it explains that they are in the, quote, nascent early phases of the investigation. So what's your reaction to that? I got angry because I thought, are you kidding me that you actually went in to somebody as senior as this, somebody who is the former president of the United States, as has never been done, where there was a search warrant executed on their home. And to go in to somebody of this level and say that you're just starting your investigation right now, basically, that we're just kind of in the initial phases. And that's why they didn't want the affidavit out. They said to the judge, this will ruin our early phase of the investigation. We're just kind of at the beginning, so we don't want to mess anything up. Don't you think you should wait till you're a lot further along before you take such a bold and such an unprecedented and such a historic step as going after the former president of the United States? I am happy, by the way, that the judge did agree, at least, that at least parts of the affidavit will come out. And that is so important now more than ever. Because now we really need to find out what's in that affidavit. Did they say in the affidavit, oh, my gosh, this is the nascent early phases of the investigation? Or did they make it sound like they're a lot further along? How many different witnesses did they have? How many, quote, informants? Because they said the word informants, basically plural. So they've got several people who apparently gave them information that led to the search of Mar-a-Lago. So how much information are we going to get? And also, will we get details? And this, to me, is the key as to what exactly was the big rush that they had to go in and do a raid and do a fully executed search warrant. When, by all accounts, we are hearing that the president was cooperating. Why not do another subpoena? Why not go back and forth? And if you really were in such a rush which it sounds like they did say to the judge, the magistrate, to get the warrant, then why did you wait three weeks and go back and forth and negotiate, apparently, between DOJ and FBI? And then they want us to believe that suddenly something was so pressing that they had to go in and do a raid, but they were able to have these private meetings for, like, weeks upon weeks to decide. And they also want us to believe that along the way, even though there's probably like 500 discussions between DOJ and White House, that not one single time did they ever discuss it to anybody in the White House that they were going to do a search warrant, that they were going to execute that and do a raid on the former president's home. That just doesn't fly. I don't know, but I got a couple bridges to sell you in Brooklyn if anybody believes that out there. What is your reaction, though, to the fact 
that now we are learning at least some of the affidavit will get released. We don't know when. Now, it could take quite a while because the Department of Justice has a week after this hearing today that took place in West Palm Beach. They have a week to come back and say, okay, here is the search warrant. We're going to affidavit, uh, tie to the affidavit. The affidavit, of course, is the key. They're going to go through it and say, okay, well, we're going to redact XX and X and X and X. So what are we really going to get in the end? Do you think we're actually going to see details in that affidavit? Or do you think it's going to be like so blacked out that there's going to be the word and is going to be there that you can see? And maybe the word the. Um, Or do you think they're just going to have to give some more? Do you think it's just going to be so much back and forth that suddenly, surprise, 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 it's going to be Election Day in November. And then maybe, God, maybe the day before, maybe they'll come to some agreement where part of that affidavit will be released. What's your reaction, everybody, to this? To me, there's still just so many unanswered questions. But the fact that they raided the former president's home on, quote, an early phase, to me, is really troubling as an American citizen. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Bob and Yonkers. Go ahead, Bob. Your thoughts. Good evening, Rita. This is a dog and pony show. They have nothing. But they're afraid of him because they know the party's going to be over for all these clowns on the Democratic side. So they have to try to get him on something. But they have nothing. And what they did that went to his house is a total disgrace. It, you know what's amazing, Bob? The fact that we're now learning that they just kind of said we're in the beginning phase. We also know, Bob, that the New York Times is saying that they actually, the January 6th commission, has subpoenaed the documents that were taken, whatever was taken in the search. So it's like they basically went in under this premise of the National Archives Act, which is, again, like, oh, you were jaywalking, so we're going to raid your home, and then we're going to see what we got, and then every single investigation into Trump is going to try to get the documents. Hey, did you get something there that could help me? Did you get something there? I mean, that's not the way justice works. Bob, what do you think? The first person that Trump has to go after is Garland. Payback is going to be a bitch. And yeah. then I have to go up to shifty shift. Yeah, shifty shift. And by the way, some of the investigators that were dealing with shifty shift during this whole like uh, Russia gate, all this stuff. Guess what? Surprise, surprise, surprise. They are the ones that are on this investigation. I mean, you would think after the big mess of the Russia hoax, they would have nothing, you know, to do with anything tied to President Trump, that somebody in the department would say, ah, you kind of blew it last time. Don't be on this new one. But yet they're there. Bob, thank you very, very much. Meantime, Joe DeGeneva, who is a former U.S. attorney, uh, well-known, also has worked with President Trump in the past. Well, Joe came out and said that this decision with the judge is good news because the judge had no choice. This judge knows he's under scrutiny. He's heard the complaints about him being a partisan and being an anti-Trumper. He knows that he recused himself from the Trump civil suit against Hillary Clinton in his courthouse, which he was in charge of. What he's doing is he's trying to make himself look good. So he's decided to release parts of the affidavit. Now, what they're going to release is going to be thin gruel. The, the, The stuff that matters how the information was acquired, 
all that stuff is going to be redacted from the affidavit. I predict that we will learn very little from the affidavit, uh, but I mean, at least it's something, but it, it's going, it's not going to satisfy people. It is not going to satisfy people. So do you think it's a good idea that at least part of the affidavit will come out? I think it's good news. And I think the judge, I agree with Joe DeGeneva that this judge had no choice. How can you go out there and show that there have been all these leaks in the media? Clearly, they're getting the leaks from like Newsweek and New York Times are getting leaks. All these people are getting leaks. They're clearly leaking like a sieve. And yet the DOJ wants you to believe that in court, no, 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 we can't have anything come out officially. So the American public doesn't deserve to know. President Trump doesn't deserve to know. But we'll leak it to select members of the press that that's okay. And by the way, that I think should be one of the biggest arguments. And I think that would be a powerful one. How can you justify things staying closed when you're selectively deciding what gets out? I think as much as possible should come out in the affidavit. I understand there's certain things that have to be protected, but I think you put as much as possible out there and then the American public can look at it and see. And don't put it out there a couple of days somehow, surprise, surprise, right before the November midterms, because that would be just abominable. But so far, there's been a lot of things that I'm shaking my head at. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Two, two, two. Uh, let's go to Teddy on line two. Teddy, your thoughts. Uh, how you doing, Rita? Uh, Rita, I I take issue with uh, most of the callers, obviously, and yourself. I don't think that the uh, well, at least at least uh, at least I'm, I guess I'm in really good company then. So go ahead, Ted. Okay. Just let me express my opinion, like you let everybody else who is on your side express their opinion. Actually, Teddy, Teddy, yes. Teddy. It seems like you're having a bad day, but I'm glad we took your call because I like to hear from everybody. So go ahead. Okay. I think it's serious information for if the FBI raided his house. And if they went to that extent to raid the ex-president's house, I don't call him by his name, okay, then I feel it is sufficient for them to withhold anything pertaining to this affidavit until anything is proven that where the uh, attorney uh, general Garland wants to bring charges against Trump and then everything will come out in court. Okay, and that's the way I feel. And if you read what the former CIA director Hayden, who today I've just read it today, he's a Republican. He said that the Republican Party and he's a Republican. He said the Republican Party today is very dangerous, not the Democrats, very dangerous, the Republicans. And Rita, you constantly tell me over the phone, and correct me if I'm wrong, you say to me that you're an independent. But Rita, 99.9% of the time, you condemn the Democrats and you just side with the Republicans a point of view all the time. All right, Eddie, and right. Teddy, 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 can... Teddy, Teddy, hold on. Take a deep right. breath. Take a deep breath. All right. I'll let you talk. First off, you clearly are coming in with a bias. And you, I would actually call the former president, I would call him President Trump. I would actually refer to the other former presidents, like 
former President Obama. I don't say the former president. So I would actually give President Obama more respect than you would. So that's one thing. All right. That was a little odd that you said that, that you won't even call him by name. So clearly you are coming in with a tremendous bias. Um, And I think that everybody deserves equal justice. That's where I have a problem here. You seem to think because you don't like President Trump that automatically his home should be turned upside down, that he should have no rights, that they don't even have to basically prove why they went in. And you don't seem to think that there needs to be equal justice. And by the way, I would say that also if it would, the shoe was on the other foot, say President Biden was the former president and this happened. It's outrageous. You don't go into a president's home. You don't you shouldn't go into anyone's home without valid justice, but especially the bar of a former president of the United States. And then suddenly we're supposed to all believe that it was justified. And it's the same DOJ that clearly went after him in other cases in the past. It is an appointed DOJ who's appointed by his rival, President Biden. And so it just looks unseemly. They should have had like a special master go through the documents. They should have had a special prosecutor look at this case. It would have on the optics looked so much better You won't admit that because you don't like President Trump and justice is supposed to be fair for everybody. And I'm sorry you feel that way, Teddy, but I appreciate your calls. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. You are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. You just heard from Teddy, who clearly hates President Trump and thinks his home should probably be raided every single day, even if there's no reason shown to the American public. I say justice should be blind and that if it was former President Trump or former President Obama, whoever it is, you just don't raid a former president's home without us knowing some of the details, and clearly, more importantly, the president and his team. And especially by all accounts, it sounds like there were negotiations going on over turning over these National Archive documents. And I've covered the White House a long time. I have never seen where a discussion over National Archive documents, which always goes back and forth between presidents, doesn't matter if it's a Republican or Democrat, that there's always these negotiations, there's always these talks And there's still so many unanswered questions because it never came to the point where they're going to raid somebody's home over documents that other presidents have withheld. And we talk about some of the double standards of justice. Hillary Clinton, you know, wiping her email server. They didn't raid Chappaqua home. They didn't go into Westchester. What about Hunter Biden? There's a lot of questions there. So far, he's riding on Air Force One and going on vacation with daddy. I mean, there's a lot of questions, and the American public has to feel good about its justice system. So, by the way, in a couple of minutes, we're going to be joined by Mark Lauder, who is the chief communications officer at America First Policy Institute. He worked very closely with former President Trump, also Vice President Pence at the time. And we're going to get his take about the decision that this judge at least feels that there is such an important right to know from the public that he's going to at least release some of that affidavit. The question is when? Might be as early as next week. 
might be a couple weeks later, but it sounds like we're at least going to see some of it. And I think that is great news. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to John on line four. John, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Go ahead, John. Hey, uh, what I was going to say is... uh... See, now, this shows, whatchamacallit, the uh, difference between just regular people who want a, a fair trial and the uh, extremist. Teddy is an extremist on the left. He can't have somebody have a fair trial. So, you know, the left wants to blame the right as extremists. There's the left extremists, and Teddy and Stan are the two left extremists because they don't want to see a blind eye of justice. They're just out because they have either hatred Well, they're brainwashed to say this is what we have to do against Trump. Yeah, everything seems to be like no matter what, it's fair. Like Trump doesn't deserve to see it. The American public doesn't deserve to see it. It's like suddenly there is no justice for Trump. But uh, and he can't even call him his name. Remember, Ted had a problem even calling him by name. You know, he's got hatred for Trump. And that's not fair. 1-800-848-9222. And everybody, we're going to continue with your calls after the break. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, a beautiful story coming from Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, where an officer there with the police department is being recognized for his great efforts more than two months after a car caught on fire in a crash. One morning, Mount Pleasant Pleasant police officer Doug Richards was driving home from work in his patrol vehicle when he encountered a massive crash just off of the interstate. Richards spotted a badly damaged car that was ablaze, so he immediately grabbed a fire extinguisher He ran to the vehicle. He began to extinguish the flames and all the while remaining calm and consoling the panicked driver. Thanks to Officer Richard's bravery, the woman's life was saved. And this week, the police department announced that Richard's was being recognized for his heroic act with the department's life-saving award. It is called the Extra Duty Hero Award. And bravo to this great officer for saving this woman's life. And thank you to all our great officers who do so much each and every day when they are out on patrol. And also off hours, too, because we've done some great stories here about what cops have done off hours as well. Well, we got some news today from the federal courthouse there in Florida that it looks like the judge will be able to release, he's working with DOJ and all these other, all the Department of Justice and others, but that he will ultimately probably release parts of the affidavit that were used to justify to get a search warrant of President Trump's home. And the lawyer for the media, her name is Dina Shulman. Now, the media was the party here because the media has been wanting to open it, make it public. Get the documents out there. We all want to see the light of day. Let's see what the affidavit is. The media's attorney, this woman I thought was really great, really sharp. She said after the hearing that the burden really was on the Justice Department because they got to prove a a few things to be able to block that affidavit. Take a listen. That was the subject of today's hearing. Can the government meet that burden? Can they show, for example, that releasing certain information contained in those materials would justify 
uh, or severely impede the investigation, would cause the revelation of confidential informants or confidential witnesses, or somehow so hinder the investigation as to jeopardize the safety and security of it. So that was the that was the gist of today's hearing. And then Dina Shulman, the media's lawyer there, said that she was actually impressed that the judge seemed to get it, that the public has a right to know. I feel good about today's hearing. Judge Reinhardt seemed to have a very good uh, sense that it is his job as the gatekeeper in this case to perform his function of balancing the interest in the public of accessing these materials against the interest in the government in keeping them secret. Judge Reinhardt gave us some clues to that today by telling us, for example, that at this juncture he is not inclined to keep the entirety of the search warrant application and its affidavit under seal, meaning that he understands that the public is going to likely be entitled to some parts of this warrant application and its affidavit. He will consider redactions proposed by the Department of Justice, which are due to him August 25th. He will accept any briefing of the Department of Justice on those redactions. He will review those materials, and he will enter an order specifying what information, if any, will remain uh, sealed and inaccessible to the public. And joining us now to discuss all of the big developments is Mark Lauder. He is the chief communications officer at the great America First Policy Institute. He was also previously special assistant to President Trump and also press secretary to Vice President Pence, uh, also very much the director of the strategic communications for Donald Trump's 2020 presidential campaign. Very, very intricate in policy and politics. Mark, great to have you here on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. You know, first off, let me get your reaction to everything that's been happening uh, between the raid and then, of course, today, the big hearing. And it looks like maybe some of the affidavit may come out, but who knows when that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, my thought to the initial raid is that obviously it was unprecedented, which everyone has said and has noted. But the big question I have is that if this information was of such importance to the national security, to national defense, then why did they wait 18 months? Why? Why? It's been sitting there. It's not like Donald Trump was going back and forth to the White House still and, you know, taking things down to Mar-a-Lago. It's been there since January 20th of 2021. So what what in 18 months? You'd also been down there in that storage unit. There was a tour. They asked you to put a bigger lock or a better lock on the door. And yet something changed. And the politics changed, of course. But you know, even when you think about what has been reported that the attorney general took a couple of weeks going back and forth, deciding whether to do this, this warrant or not do this warrant, clearly if it was something that wasn't of such national security importance that they had to go down and get it right away, which means you probably shouldn't have raided the house of a former president, you probably just continue to work through the lawyers. Yeah, there are so many unanswered questions, as you bring up, and yet they said, oh, we had basically no choice. Um, The other thing that was interesting that came out in today's hearing, and I was listening for the verbiage, Mark, you've known me a long time, and I was listening, and they said, we are basically in the early phase of the investigation, and if we release the full affidavit, it could hurt us in this phase. My first thought was, wait a minute, you're in the early phase of an investigation and you're going into the home of a former president, this historic, unprecedented move. Um, What does that sound like to you? A lot of people, their reaction was, 
wait a minute, this should be something you don't do at the beginning, but you would do at the end of an investigation. Is this sort of signifying it's a bit of a fishing expedition? Well, I think to that point, and also when you look at the breadth of the of the warrant itself and what we do know is that they could basically go in there and take everything from the first day until the last day that he was in the White House. So there was no specific kinds of documents or, or uh, articles that they were looking for. Uh, I mean, it really was a fishing expedition, and I think that's something – you know, I, I want to be very clear. You know, I'm not questioning the the FBI agents who were there doing their jobs, following orders. But when you look at the top of this, the people who signed that warrant, the people who are leading this investigation, I saw in Real Clear Politics or Real Clear Investigations today that the same people who are leading this current investigation were tied to the Crossfire Hurricane, Hillary Clinton, Russia Gate investigation. I mean, this all this all has a lot of questions that need to be answered. Transparency is going to be required. But so far, it looks pretty shady on the surface. And the other question is the judge, too, Mark Lauder, because you've got the judge there, Bruce Reinhardt, who recused himself from a recent case with Trump and Hillary Clinton. You kind of go, well, why didn't he recuse himself here? He's made some comments about President Trump in the past. I mean, there seems to be a lot of kind of questions as to the parties that are involved in all of this. No, absolutely. And I think it's, you know, I think we have every right to ask those questions. I mean, that's what this democracy is supposed to be about. You know, we don't work for the government. The government works for us. And so I think it's everyone's right, including the media's right, as we saw today, when they were filing for that, you know, for that, uh, the documents. And of course, you know, maybe they have it for news reasons, but there's also a good transparency reason there that this information should come out. It should be public. And then let the American people decide whether they think the the situation warranted the action or if the FBI overstepped its bounds. Absolutely. Uh, this is an unprecedented move. And I think the American public and the interests of the American public is pivotal. You know, I want to ask you about the reaction also, because already we have seen such an outcry from so many people about the raid uh, and the overreach and these unanswered questions, understandably, as we're talking about. Seems like many people in the GOP are are rallying around the president. I mean, it seems, you know, very much if you look at the polls, uh, it's very much that they feel that this was an overstepping and kind of highlights a double standard of justice. No, I think it does. And it feeds into that narrative that that, and it's not just a narrative, it's reality. You know, when we look back and see how the FBI handled the 2016 campaign, and this is now the third election, by the way, that the FBI has now meddled in. You know, you go back to 2016 with uh, the Russia, Russia, Russia collusion. Then 2020, when they were actively hiding the Hunter Biden laptop information. Now they're engaging in the 2022 and possibly into the 2024 elections. I mean, you really have to start to wonder what, and it's all one-sided. It's all against President Donald J. Trump or candidate Donald J. Trump when it was in when it was in 2016. So you know, there's a very real narrative there, and I don't remember the FBI storming into Hillary Clinton's house for her underground server, which was later destroyed with phones and all that kind of stuff. And yet they raid the house of the of the former president. I mean, it is a double standard. We see it also on display, whether it's, you know, comparing the riots of 2020 to the the actions on January 6th. One side gets bailed out by the Democrat Party. The other one sits in solitary confinement. And as you are obviously the chief communications officer there at America First Policy Institute, what about the policies, too, of President Biden? Um, we know this week he signed off 
on the, quote, Inflation Reduction Act, the so-called Inflation Reduction Act. What do you see as some of the big policies that are clearly heading in as we're less than now 90 days to the midterm? Of course, people are talking about the raid. They're also talking about the economy, crime. There's so many issues. Yeah, and I think this is one thing where the where the current administration is really mis, misreading the mood of the American people. Uh, yeah, I was in Michigan and Indiana over the uh, last couple of weeks uh, on the August recess. People weren't talking to me about, you know, Green New Deal tax credits and electric vehicles. They were talking about lowering the price of gasoline or the out-of-control skyrocketing prices of groceries or just being able to afford their rent and their utility bills. And this Inflation Reduction Act is going to do nothing to affect any of those things. And so as this administration is headed out on a so-called victory tour to talk about all the great things in their bill, I think they're going to find out that – It's none of the things that the people want them to do. They want lower gas prices. They want lower uh, grocery bills. They want crime controlled in their cities. And none of that is being addressed by this bill. And so I think the administration is really putting themselves in a position that I think they think they're going on a victory tour. And I think they're going to find out the hard way that the American people aren't buying what they're selling. Is there a disconnect to um, to their policies? And just like you said, they seem to keep appeasing their sort of far left base with the it should be really a climate change bill versus the inflation reduction bill. Um, but are there sort of is there sort of this tone deafness because, you know, the president seems to be sort of disconnected, um, not answering anything on the raid, not really answering any questions, period, to the media and doesn't seem to be looking even at the polls, nor does the Democratic Party. Yeah, and I think you also see it whenever they are talking, uh, whether it's through their press secretary or they're sending out folks on, you know, on the various news channels. You know, they keep talking about the jobs, 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 jobs. And I get that. That's for the last 30 years. That's what politicians, whether it's at the state and local level, at the national level, were judged on the unemployment rate, were judged on jobs. That's not the case anymore. This is more of a 1970s and early 1980s cycle where it's about prices it's about it's about inflation and i don't think they've gotten it they keep trying to pin their successes in what they think are successes on something that the american people aren't worried about yeah they're not focused on you know uh figuring out how to buy an expensive electric car right now so they can get some sort of a rebate later they just want to like get food on the table and they want to see fair justice they want to see you know less crime uh, there are so many issues on the plate And it's just sometimes when you see what's coming out of this White House, you say, what America are they looking at? You know, what everyday American are they talking to? You have to wonder. And and yet they keep doubling down on these failed policies. And, you know, we've been saying it for the past year and a half. But, you know, their policies are actually what are causing this. And when you look at the polling, you know, three quarters of the American people are blaming Joe Biden and this administration for causing the inflation and for causing higher gas prices. And then they go out and they try to say, well, hey, the prices, the gas has come down like a dollar in the last, you know, the last six months. Well, you drove it up two and a half dollars before you had it come back down. People aren't that stupid. They understand that it's still way too expensive. Absolutely. And they're seeing, just as you say, the sort of play on words, uh, which seems to be very common, as we've been seeing from this White House. Mark Lauder, thank you so much. The chief communications officer there at America First Policy Institute, also former special assistant to President Trump and also worked very closely, of course, with Vice President Pence. One of the best in the business, my friend Mark Lauder. Great to have you here.
And everybody, what do you think? It was interesting to hear Mark's perspective and all these issues that the Biden administration is dealing with. And clearly now the focus on the raid. But yet the White House won't say anything. Biden White House basically mum. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mike in Lynchburg, Virginia. Mike, your thoughts on all this? Hi, Rita. Hey, you've got a great show. I, I listen to you every night and uh, just love what you're doing. Uh, thank you, Mike. Thank you. And I, I love getting calls from great folks like you. So thank you. <laughs> oh, th- th- this whole raid just disgusts me. And and my question, and you, you sort of alluded to it just now, and my question for you is, has Joe Biden or Kamala Harris, have they said anything about this? And has anybody been able to ask them? I mean, it, it, you know, Peter Ducey sometimes, you know, is able to ask some questions. Has he taken any press conferences or questions? That's another thing that's just driving me crazy. We know the White House knew all about this. And, and, and all these discussions back and forth with FBI and DOG, DOJ, they had to be talking to the White House, too. Just that's a question for you. Yeah, you know uh, what? You know. I, I agree with you. First off, that, Mike, it's inconceivable that the White House didn't know something, especially now that we know that there was all this back and forth for a couple of weeks. There's no way that somebody in the White House wasn't conferred. And you're telling me that they could have kept a secret. They're about to do a raid on President Trump's home. Uh-uh, that's one. Um, but so I agree with you on that. In terms of the reaction, first off, on Biden, it's like uh, the other day when he was doing his signing on the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, suddenly it was like, as soon as he's done, they pot up the music really loud. So even if he wanted to hear a question, they probably did that, by the way, on purpose, Mike, because he might have been tempted to answer. You know, he sometimes has like foot and mouth disease, you know, it's like, oops, I shouldn't have answered that one, right? Who knows what he might have been like, oh, yeah, sure, we knew all about it, and I couldn't wait for it to happen. Oh, shoot, I wasn't supposed to say that. Um, So as soon as he finished signing, it was like sound full, so nobody could hear anybody in the room. So they purposely did it so they couldn't even get to ask a question of the president, and he's basically been on vacation mentally and physically now in the last, uh, what is it, week and a half or so. I mean, it's been incredible. So that's one. The other thing is Kamala Harris, by the way, she did come out and she made a statement basically calling the basically those who are going up against and criticizing the FBI. Now she's a defender of the police. This is the woman, remember, during all the summer of love protests who was donating to the Minnesota Freedom Fund. And the Minnesota Freedom Fund was bailing out those protesters, I say protesters, really rioters, I should say, who were burning down buildings and torching police stations. And they had the Minnesota Freedom Fund. And she was supporting it, telling people to help and donate to that. So she really wasn't supporting police at a time like that and law and order at a time like that. But now, surprise, surprise, now because the FBI did what they wanted, she wanted them to do. I mean, she hasn't said it, but clearly this is a happy day for Kamala Harris and also Biden. She came out and said that those who are attacking the FBI, that it is dangerous. Do not do it. She's condemning the incendiary rhetoric. Um, And by the way, I think that there shouldn't be any incendiary rhetoric Um, anything that threatens law enforcement. I think there's reasons to question maybe the politics, clearly, of some agents in the FBI. 
And especially we turn out to now learn that some of the ones who are on this investigation were the same ones that were dealing with the Russia hoax. So you definitely have a right to ask questions. But it's just interesting for someone who spent her time talking about defunding the police and also criticizing police whenever there was a shootout with somebody. Remember, it's like, oh, the police fault, the police fault. Now suddenly... Don't go after the, you know, law enforcement is Kamala Harris's new theme. So I hope that answers your questions, Mike. Great to get your call. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. By the way, coming up in the next hour, this is really stunning. A Minneapolis teachers union is saying that they, as part of their plans, saying that the hiring and firing of teachers should be based on race and that those who are basically white will get let go first. Not competence, but it will be based on race. What? That is absolutely. Absolutely stunning. And now a lot of lawyers are saying that is completely illegal and completely unconstitutional. We're going to talk to someone who just wrote an incredible book about cancel culture. PR guru A.J. Rice is going to be joining us to talk about that in the next hour. Also, by the way, a blockbuster report. And I'm going to talk about this at the top of the show uh, where Trump family members may be playing a role in some of the tip-offs to the FBI, this is stunning, but according to a couple reports, some Trump aides think maybe a Trump family member may have tipped off the FBI to give credence to doing a raid. Boy, wow, if that's true, that's a blockbuster. What are your thoughts? Or is that just a bunch of hogwash in the media? What do you think about that? one 800 848 Nine two two two. Uh, let's go to Dave in Comac on line eight. Dave, your thoughts about all this? <laughs> I think that uh, that we should all vote for Liz Cheney and not vote for Trump. I don't like the fact that he continues to spread his lies about the election fraud, which don't exist. But wait, let me just ask you this: Why? You know do, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm I'm not gonna here to litigate, you know, uh, 2020. But I am here to ask you a question about today. Um, Liz Cheney clearly uh, got basically the boot from Wyoming. I mean, they know her better than you and I do, um, and they didn't want her. So my question to you is, why do you think she's ready to be president if clearly the people of Wyoming rejected her and don't like what she stands for now? They liked her before, but when she started throwing Trump and America First policies under the bus, they didn't like her anymore. Listen, you don't get it, Rita. Dave, 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 I'm asking, Dave, Dave, I'm asking, Dave, I'm asking you a question. For some reason, you can't mention, you have Teddyitis. You can't mention the name. The person (laughs) that she lost to is spreading lies about the election fraud. You're talking about Harriet Hageman. Well, well, let me, well, here's, here are the facts that, you know, you and I are not from Wyoming, but I can just tell you, Wyoming gave her a resounding boot. This week, and Harriet Hageman, who's been there in Wyoming, clearly they went for her. I mean, that was one of the biggest trouncings in a primary. Uh, But to your point, Dave, I... 
do believe that she's probably going to run for president. Whether she'll get anywhere is a whole other question. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days In, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. By the way, later on in this hour, and we got another blockbuster hour here on the Rita Cosby Show, we're going to be talking about a Minneapolis teachers union that has put as one of their stipulations for hiring and firing in the future in a prospective agreement that it would be based on race and that Those individuals who are not in a sort of, quote, protected or minority class, i.e. whites, that they would be fired first. And when they hire new teachers, well, they would give deference to those that are non-whites. This is stunning. And so in the last few hours, many attorneys have come out and said that not only is this outrageous, it may be darn right unconstitutional. Take a listen. This is Molly Hemingway, a Fox News contributor, and she says that education should be colorblind. Take a listen. Good instructors can reach different types of students. And one of the worst ways to look at things is just on those surface levels of skin color, race, um, you know, sex, other things like that. We should be able to have good educators who are looking at everything. And Leo Terrell, African-American conservative, who's often on Fox News, you see him there all the time, said that this is outrageous. And he also completely disagrees with this. The assumption that people of color got shortchanged. I have a bachelor's degree. I have a master's degree. I had a law degree. It wasn't. The color of the teacher was irrelevant. It was whether or not that teacher was competent. And I'm, thank you very much. I don't need to see a a color for for a teacher. I want to see the skill set. But it's insulting to every African American or any person of color that you need a person of color to teach you. I reject that. And later on in the hour, we're going to be talking to one of the top publicists in the country, powerhouse A.J. Rice, who has a brand new book out appropriately called Woking Dead to get his take on what the Minneapolis Teachers Union is doing. I think it's preposterous. It's outrageous. And I do think it's also illegal. And we're going to talk about that later on in the hour. We also have one of my favorite segments that we do every night here on the show, Support Our Heroes, where we honor our great military men and women and give them a salute here on the Rita Cosby Show. Meantime, lots of details are coming out after the big hearing that took place today in Florida. And that is where a federal judge, even though that judge... I have always said I don't think he should be on the case. 
I think it's outrageous because he's already recused himself, by the way, in a prior case that had to do with President Trump and Hillary Clinton saying, oh, I have a conflict of interest regarding Trump. He's put out statements that were anti-Trump publicly in the past. I don't even know what he's even doing on that case, but that's a whole other matter. But today, things were so obvious even to him that even though the Department of Justice said, no, 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 we want to keep the affidavit completely sealed to justify the raid on President Trump's home, things are so blatant and so obvious, again, even to this crazy judge that the judge said, you know what, I think I will unseal some of the affidavits. So now it's going to be this back and forth negotiations of what will be unsealed. And that would have to come out to show what was the justification for the raid. Typically, they don't do it because what's in that is information about, okay, well, what did you know? How many people talked to you? We did hear today They used the phrase, and this is another thing I thought was really fascinating. Not only did they say, we're in the early phase of our investigation. This is the Justice Department, the FBI investigators. We're in the early phase, which, again, why would you go into a former president's home if you're just at the early phase? Could it be the fishing expedition that we've been talking about? Sure sounds like it. That's one. They also used the phrase, Basically, our informants, our sources, plural. So what that means is there is probably in the affidavit, we'll never probably find out, or at least it won't say public, and maybe eventually we'll figure it out who it is. Um, But in the affidavit, it means that they probably have multiple people in there that are being used to give information to the feds that they're going to say was the justification on the raid of the former president of the United States. And now in the last few hours, a blockbuster report coming out, guys. The Guardian newspaper is reporting that Trump aides think maybe a family member informed on the president to the FBI because the agents knew where to find a specific leather case. That's an interesting story. Aides to the former president believe that a member may have tipped him off because multiple sources close to Trump are telling The Guardian that after the August 8th search of his resort, that there could have only been a narrow amount of people that would have known where certain items are, including this specific leather case that had information. So what do you make of that, that they actually went to certain locations even though they had a very broad swath of what they were looking for. But the fact that there was a leather case that they said it was a leather bound box, as well as the location of President Trump's safe. So those two things, we don't know. Was that in Melania's closet? You know, what were they looking for other than lots of great clothes and shoes? She's got some great stuff there. But is that what Drew them to Melania's closet? Is that what drew them to some other room? I think that's pretty interesting. I always wondered, why do they go to her closet? Were they checking in clothes or were they checking for something that was behind her clothes, that there was a safe or this leather box? And who would have known about that? That's really interesting. Now, the Trump team is basically poo-pooing that any family member would have necessarily done anything like this. They're also poo-pooing that maybe any worker would have done anything like this. Um, but... Isn't that interesting? If it was, okay, we're going to this specific thing, could it be that somebody very close to President Trump 
was either tipping off, trying to cut some deal, who knows what, maybe has it in for the president, maybe who knows what, you know? I mean, who knows what these days? Um, And who knows what even they found in those documents, because so far they're not really acting like they found any big bombshell. So maybe it was one big bust. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Larry in line two. Go ahead, Larry, your thoughts about all this. Yes, by this by this time, reader, I'm pretty convinced that this is a this is a fishing expedition. But it was really it was done with with calculated leaks to make this a grand spectacle. Now you might ask, uh, why would they do this when Trump, not being president, has all the time in the world to 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 talk about what's being done to him? Whereas when it was done to him as president. He couldn't refute it because he was busy running the country. So, so it, it, it really bespeaks of a very, very uh, severe desperation by the Democrats. But not really, because you heard from Teddy. You heard from Dave. Soon you'll hear from Stan. And it's, the, it's people like this that comprise, unfortunately, now, I believe, the majority of the country because for the following reason. When Bill Clinton, I believe it started when the, when when the uh, when the Congress failed to to convict Bill Clinton after he was impeached. That was the beginning of moral degeneracy in this country. When you don't in, when you don't kick out a president who basically sheds his seed like a dog all over the all over the White House, okay? That is a grotesque thing. He sullied the entire office. They did not kick him out. That was the beginning of a trend of moral degeneracy in this country. Now, now Larry, Larry like, by the way, I'll let you finish, but by the way, you know, most of the Clinton stuff, even though obviously, certainly he, I, I know all that stuff because I remember I was covering it all, but a lot of it was basically that under oath, remember, it was the definition of is, is, remember? And he like was, talk about a guy who knows how to spin words. He was like, oh, well, it depends what you mean by that. It wasn't, you know, it was more the lying under oath or was he being, you know, about that. But anyway, go ahead, Larry. And that that lie is now the legacy of the Democrats. If you see the kinds of lies they're perpetrating, but what I want to bring out is this: the character of the people, like especially that guy Teddy, with the, you hear the nastiness and the angriness underneath that all is moral degeneracy. I'm not saying he goes out and does disgusting things every day, but he's amoral. He doesn't care about morality. These this is what's infecting this country, and it, it was the result of not kicking Clinton out of office. And that's why the Democrats can try to pull off spectacles like this that really have no end game. In other words, there's going to be no conviction. There's not even going to be charges. They're hoping that the spectacle triggers these, these immoral characters to cast judgment on somebody when he's really innocent. That's what, that's what it's all about. Although, you know what's interesting, Larry? Even though you said, you know, they don't think there's a conviction or whatever, there could potentially, and I'm just going to say this to you, there could, this could lead to charges, whether they're warranted or not is a whole other thing, Lair. Um, because, and I, I even want to play a little clip, Lair. Um, this is, I, I did a Protecting America, it's a brand new podcast. Um, and this is um, the second clip that we did. I just want to do a little tease, Lair, because this is interesting, because Yes, on the face of it right now, it looks sure looks like a big old fishing expedition. 
Um, it looks like they just kind of were looking for something. They admit on their own that it was the beginning of their investigation, so they don't seem too sophisticated or too so far with it. And we also were just uh, reporting a little bit ago that it's the same FBI unit uh, that's leading this probe that ran the discredited Trump-Russia investigation. So they sure sound like they're qualified uh, to go after him again. My goodness, that was a mess. So why would you put the same folks on it as bizarre? But Greg Jarrett, uh, who I interviewed, and by the way, it's going to be an amazing podcast. I just did the interview with him a couple hours ago. We're going to put up the whole podcast tomorrow, everybody. You can get it. Uh, wherever you download podcasts, you can also go to at Rita Cosby on Twitter. Uh, but Greg Jarrett, um, attorney, uh, legal commentator, legal expert there on Fox News, said, you know what? It's a low bar. But if you take the case to a certain part of America, you can maybe get an indictment. Take a listen. Do you think it's going to lead to an indictment still, regardless, even as you mentioned, it's incredibly weak on your face? Well, as an experienced judge, Garland should know that it would be an exceedingly difficult case to bring and to prove. Although, by the way, if you bring it in the District of Columbia, where 92 percent voted for Biden and a scant 5 percent voted for Donald Trump, the only venue in the United States where Trump is universally hated you know, you can indict and convict a ham sandwich as long as the sandwich has Trump's name on it. It wouldn't hold up on appeal, but I would think that Garland knows that he's got a weak case. I think this was a pretext to go in there, turn the joint upside down, ransack it, spend 10 hours looking for something, anything to other than these records to nail Trump on, you know, some imagined seditious conspiracy uh, related to the January 6th riots. So a raid in search of information that could lead later to a crime for something else. Yeah, an investigation in search of a crime, which, Rita, as you know, is backwards. Yeah, that's not the way justice is supposed to be, right, Greg Jarrett? You are right. I love when someone says you're right. (laughs) But one thing that was interesting with Greg Jarrett there... He said that's the only place, basically, where Trump is universally hated in Washington, D.C. 92% went for Biden, 5% for Trump. By the way, the other place where uh, Trump is universally hated, I would say, is at Teddy's home. It's also a Dave's home and a number of others, too. And Stan's home, too. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And, in fact, let's go to Stan. Stan's on hold. Go ahead, Stan. You're here happy, on the Rita Cosby Show. I teach you up, my year. friend. Happy New Year. <laughs> happy New Year. All right, yes. go ahead. We got to be a little. So we say Happy New Year, you know, something different. Yeah, listen, that's nice. All right. All right. Listen, Dave, keep calling, Dave. You're, you're new to the club. Keep calling. We like you, and I like what you say. Rita will never understand and never get it. But that's another story. Oh, I know. Please pray for me, Stan. Please. I'm not praying for you. <laughs> you don't need prayers. You need salvation, but not prayers. <laughs> Stan, you know what? I I love you, Stan. You are hysterical, and, and hey, look, you know, you're great. You, know, you call me names all the time, but I don't, you know, I can call you. But why call names to such a beautiful woman? Oh, thank you, Stan. All right, enough of that niceness. Let's okay, go ahead, Stan. Let's get to it. <laughs> All right, here's the point. As far Stan, as I'm concerned, the warrant, the, the warrant 
should not be redacted at all. Not at all. That would set a precedent for future situations. Absolutely should not be. Now, you complained about this judge. Now you're saying, okay, now he'll do it. So you want it both ways, right? You basically said he had it in for Trump to some extent. Then he's in another situation. So you're playing both sides of the coin with this guy. Actually, but, but hang on a second, Stan. Actually, two things. First off, this guy has made comments that were derogatory to, Stan, to uh, Trump in the past. He also did recuse himself on a case saying because of some of the comments he's made about Trump, so he recused himself. So when I say that I'm talking out of both sides, things are so obvious right now that even this guy who doesn't like Trump, and he clearly has voiced that before, that's a fact, uh, even he sees that some should go out just because there is such an importance of the public's right to know, and it is a former president. It's a higher standard. That's the reason, Stan. And I would say it if it was your pal Joe Biden, too. Go ahead, Stan. As far as I'm concerned, the man is acting in a judicial way exactly correct. You mean uh, President Trump? No, we're talking about the judge, since we're both talking about him. Oh, okay. I think he's acting in a correct way, and he will decide. And, of course, now the uh, uh, DOJ has to come up and say if they'll agree to release something. I hope they redact everything. I don't think anything should be that. Now, but the point that you, you, you just made a bombshell, who is the family member if there was one? It can't be that sister. The sister? Oh no, the sister! Like oh, the, oh, the, this is that you mean the the niece, right? Yeah, the niece, yeah. yeah. I don't think it's got. To, if you say it's a family member, they might set up the FBI so they would go 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 ahead. There's something here, and then they look like fools. So whoever you say is the family member, is it the sons? Maybe it's Melania. She's had to change her heart. Who knows? But who is this so-called family member? And when uh, will they, uh, we find out about that, will you get the name of that? I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, and, and by the way, it, it just came out in a report that Trump aides think it's a family member. It doesn't mean that it's true. We're just reading one of the reports. It's in The Guardian. Um, and the question is, will we ever know? Even if it is true, that is supposed to be confidential. That's supposed to be whatever, whoever the sources are, whether it's a family member or whether it's a, the waiter or whoever it is. Uh, whether it's a guy who installed the safe or maybe it's uh, Melania's designer, who knows, since they were going through her clothes. Um, but whatever it is, that will supposed to remain confidential in that affidavit. So even if we do get it, it'll be like so-and-so blank, so-and-so blanked out, so-and-so blanked out, said blank. Um, but so I don't know if that's true. But but real quick, Stan, um, you're, I also thought the same thing you did. And you and I rarely agree, but I but one of the things I thought – if for some reason it is a family member, wouldn't Why? that be – no, wouldn't it be interesting what you just said? Because I thought the same thing, that maybe it was like, hey, FBI, yeah. if you want to go Set in here, up. go – exactly. And then it turns out that leather box is like, uh, you know, what is, what's the uh, what's the game Clue where it's like uh, Mr. Green and the billiard room. Donald the... Trump leases, leases to his apartments or something. Right, something right, like that. right. Or, but or here's the point. Surprise. It's, again, it's conjecture. It's somebody saying this. It's someone saying that. Let's wait to see what the uh, DOJ does, what they will redact, redact, and so forth. And that's the important thing. How much will they let out? I don't want them to let out everything. I don't want to give Trump any information. Yeah, you don't want to give him anything. But let's let's see where it goes, my friend. Great to have your call, Stan. We're going to continue with your calls after the break. Everybody, 1-800-848-9222. This is The Rita Cosby Show.
And we are talking about the raid on President Trump's compound. By the way, um, interesting comment that came in the New York Post by George Mole, who works, George Mole, who does a lot with the New York Police Department and others. This guy is great. Um, put out a comment saying that they basically, one of the objectives of the raid, he believes, was psychological. Basically, the raid was a power and dominance move, a psyops intended to send a message to Trump uh, that he will not receive the deference and respect accorded to other former presidents that will go into his home, rummage through his wife's undergarments whenever we please, his enemies were saying, and his powerlessness and that of his supporters will be clear. Very interesting that George Mole also saying uh, that it's basically a psychological tactic as well. That is Fascinating. Great perspective. I wanted to share that with all of you. Let's go to Reggie in Dallas on line five. Reggie, go ahead. Hello, Rita. I'll I'll be quick. This is all about keeping Trump from running. The Democrats don't have a policy, a plan, or an idea, or a candidate to combat him. So it's comparable to a sports team not being able to beat their opponent. So they have to keep their opponent from competing. They don't have any viable candidates, any ideas, nothing that can translate into voter support. So what they need to do is they need to suppress the opponent. That's what this is all about. By hook or by crook, they're going to get Trump not to run. That's an interesting point, except if everybody knows Trump out there, he's like, I'm going to really run now. I think it's emboldening him. When we come back, everybody, we're going to have our Support Our Heroes segment and the Minneapolis Teachers Union. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, which I love doing every night here, honoring our great military men and women and their families, a story from Helena, Montana, where two veterans were awarded the Montana Governor's Veteran Commendation for their service to both America and their community. Air Force Master Sergeant Timothy Peters and Army Lieutenant Colonel Corey Cena were presented with these commendations, and also state flags were flown over the Capitol in their honor. What a beautiful gesture. Sergeant Peters served in the Air Force for two decades. He took part in the U.S. invasion of Grenada, also Operation Desert Shield, Operation Desert Storm, and also the wars in Bosnia and Kosovo. So, boy, he did a lot in his service. Also, Lieutenant Colonel Cena served in the Army for 23 years. He piloted uh, Apache helicopters during his deployments in Iraq, and he was awarded the Iraq Campaign Medal with three campaign stars, two bronze stars, and four meritorious service medals throughout his prestigious career. Bravo to them and all our great men and women in uniform and, of course, also their families. Well, a stunning report that a Minneapolis teachers union, they're now coming under fire because of their plans that they say they will basically prioritize who gets hired and fired based on race, saying that white teachers will be put ahead of others to be fired. And now many people are saying it is unconstitutional. They say they're doing it for equity. Many say it is downright illegal, including Fox News commentator Leo Terrell. 
For 30 years, I've been fighting for equality of the civil rights attorney, and that's inequality. That's backwards. You're 100% correct. It's racist. It's discriminatory. It's illegal. And it should be invalidated immediately. I read what the union said. They said they want students to have teachers that look like them. Wrong. The, the students need teachers who will educate them. Educate, not what they look like. It is insulting that people are going to be judged based on color. And more importantly, Sean, color determines qualifications. Wrong. Skill, talent, experience, professionalism. This is basically an extreme leftist socialist agenda on this equality, critical race nonsense. It's illegal and should be invalidated immediately. And joining us now to talk about the union for the Minneapolis teachers and their plans to fire and hire based on race and so many of the other big woke issues in our country is renowned public relations powerhouse A.J. Rice. He's the president and CEO of Publius PR. He's also the author of the great new book, which is appropriately called, get this, The Woking Dead, How Society's Vogue Virus Destroys Our Culture. And it is number one on Amazon in a whole bunch of new release categories. It is an awesome book. AJ, great to have you here on the show. Rita, my old friend, it's great to be here. Well, it is awesome to have you. You know, everybody knows so many of the people that you have worked with. We we talked a little bit before. You're sort of the wizard behind the scenes, behind the curtain, because you have worked with so many of the huge names in broadcasting. And I have so many questions, first off, about your book and so many topics. It is so timely. But I got to get your reaction to the Minneapolis Teachers Union, because a lot of people are coming out now and saying, first off, that... This just doesn't seem constitutional. Uh, They're doing it in the sake, basically, to say they want to make things more equitable. That's why they're talking about firing white teachers first. Uh, This is a lot of what you wrote about in The Woking Dead. What's your reaction? Well, it's just outrageous, right? I mean, there's no – look, I'm not a lawyer, but I was raised by one. And, I mean, I guess this is the altar of equity, right? Um, This is diversity gone gone wild. And and like all – I mean – how does diversity exactly enhance talent? It doesn't, whether it's in the military or with the teachers. And I can't think under the Equal Protection Clause, this will stand up. You know, it may, it may get a hearing in some, with some kooky judge in Minnesota, but I don't think this can last long. Can you imagine if this was in reverse? I mean, can you imagine if WABC did this in reverse or Fox News did this in reverse? I mean, the buildings would be getting burned down. Yeah, it is stunning. And and yet, when people have come up against it, um, like we see, like Governor DeSantis in Florida, when he has come up about policies about teaching, um, you know, sexual issues to young kids, he gets the blowback. What's your reaction to the fight against people who are saying, wait, 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 we're going over woke in education? Well, I mean, look, the woking dead, uh, one of the legs of the stool is the educa- I mean, the education, the teachers unions, which I, you know, of the public schools, which I call the government schools, and obviously the faculty lounge fascistas. I mean, the humanities departments in America and the teachers unions in America, they are leading this uh, assault on trying to rewrite and tear down American history. I mean, it's not just Robert E. Lee on his horse traveler in Charlottesville. It's everything and everyone. And if it's not the and what do they reward, what do they want to replace it with? So you tear down our past 
and then you imbue into the, these, you know, young people that might not know any better. Uh, you know, the only adult that some of these in some of these places, like in urban uh, Minneapolis, I mean, this might be the only adult that talks to them all day, unfortunately, and they're going to basically slow feed this critical race theory nonsense into their heads, and they're going to be little foot soldiers in their army now forever. You know, you talked about history, too, A.J. Rice, because one of the things you talk about in The Woking Dead is they're going after everybody. I mean, they're going after George Washington, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, there are people who are saying that they should take Mount Rushmore down. You know, I mean, what is your reaction to all of I mean, this? The idea that they were going to stop with, you know, the Confederate generals when that was happening, I'm like, you're out of your mind. I mean, they're going to they're going to go through the Confederate generals and the Union generals will come forward to. Andrew Jackson, they'll go backward to Teddy Roosevelt and General Grant. I mean, basically, they're moving into the 20th century now. It'll be interesting to see if they find problems with Woodrow Wilson and FDR, who actually did have some problems. I don't hear many protests about the Japanese internment camps, but I got to be honest with you. This, the type of cancel culture you're talking about, and the type of removing of, you know, cultural artifacts and cultural icons. I mean, the Atlantic. It, I mean, it bleeds into religion. It bleeds into comedy. The Atlantic just wrote a piece saying that the if you're a Catholic and you put, and you pray the rosary, you might be a fanatic that's going to grab a gun and shoot up a place. I mean, this is where they've gone because they're unchecked for the most part, except for shows like this and a, and a few other outlets that are out there. I mean, you know who the Warriors are. You know, we we represent some of them. You're one of them. But look, let me just say this. The attack on Salman Rushdie. The attack on Salman Rushdie is the inevitable conclusion of cancel culture, 33 years in the making. You don't need cancel culture to only come from some left-wing radical. It can come from an Islamic extremist. All forms of authoritarianism do this. So you got a guy. He jumps on stage with a knife. He attacks Salman Rushdie. You had a guy jump on stage with a, a knife-like weapon and attack Lee Zeldin. Wanted to cancel Lee Zeldin. You had somebody in California jump on stage with a knife and try to cancel Dave Chappelle. I mean, look, if they can't deplatform and get you digitally, they may come after you physically now. I mean, if you if you release the the addresses of Supreme Court justices, you might get a nut that shows up, which we did. Really frightening stuff. And just as you talk about things are getting so intense, everybody, we are talking to the superstar publicist, A.J. Rice, who has worked with some of the biggest names in the business. He's come out, by the way, this is his first book, and you definitely got to get it. It is called The Woking Dead. And boy, so perfectly timed. So the big question is, A.J., how do you defeat them? You give sort of a formula in your book, a bit of a handbook. How do you defeat these cultural forces? Well, look, so all revolutions usually eat themselves, right? I mean, the, the Jacobins did, the Bolsheviks started, you know, knocking, knocking themselves off. I mean, the Me Too movement is part of wokeism. They've started to kind of eat themselves. Black Lives Matter is part of wokeism. They've done a little bit of that, but they're still hanging around. They need a foil, though, right? So they're not willing to go after Biden. You know, when Trump was president, they drove these people nuts, whether it's you know, Occupy Wall Street, which became Antifa, Antifa. the way you fight them, and, and there's always going to be censorship, right? There always has been censorship. I mean, going back, you know, people were trying to censor Graham Greene and Ernest Hemingway and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, 
Oscar Wilde. I mean, Oscar Wilde. I mean, tons of literary people have been attempted to be censored, right? So the one thing you have to do is you have to you have to stay informed. You have to fight with you have to you know vote with your feet and vote with your wallet. You know, if you don't like the garbage that Disney's putting out, there's a million other options. If you don't like the BLM painted on the court of the NBA or the NBA prioritizing uh, the Chinese Communist Party as a customer versus the Rita Cosby audience, because that's what they've done here. They've said, okay, Rice, okay, Cosby, you don't like the NBA, you don't like the garbage, that, you know, the, this, the critical race theory garbage that we're shoveling. We don't need you because we have Chinese customers. So, you know, make them pay. If you don't like the kneeling in football, if you don't like, you know, some of the, the I mean, look, Tim Allen, for example, he was replaced in this Buzz Lightyear movie. Now, even Tom Hanks was kind of like, huh, is this because of Tim Allen's, you know, opinions on certain things? I mean, it's a chilling effect, right? And that's what they want. Every day, Rita, we are being put through a dress rehearsal of authoritarianism, and they're incrementally taking our stuff, ruining our fun, taking our money, waiting to see if any of us will scream bloody murder. I mean, you know what a big test is? It's a giant litmus test. Let's send a bunch of FBI agents to raid the president's house and see who thinks it's a bad idea. We'll write their name down on a list and keep it for later. Wow. Well, that includes a lot of Americans because there is such incredible outrage about that raid. You know, I want to talk also, A.J. Rice, about George Soros because you talk about, you know, getting, you know, money, voting. He has been a big driver and sort of creating, as you talk about in your book, the zombie battalions. Talk about the role that he plays because he's I mean, putting he's, huge money. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, he's the he's the chief financial officer of some of the riots and, and, and the craziness we've seen when they're burning down cities. I mean, these these pallets of bricks are being bought and paid for and and delivered by someone. And then when the foot soldiers of the left, when the Woking Dead get arrested, right, they're immediately turned loose by these district attorneys that Soros also paid for and created. So they have a racket going on here, um, and it's to it it literally is to change our behavior. Look, the subtitle of the book is "How Society's Vogue Virus Destroys Our Culture." They they hit us with a medical virus, escaped the lab uh, from China, right? We have a cultural virus here, wokeism, that Petri dish is a lot of you know the media. I mean some of this stuff comes out of California, and then it gets spread to the other 49 states, and that that is something where they want to change our behavior. They want to change how we speak, what pronouns we use, right? So it's, it all is a form of control. The American people have to fight back. Does this have an expiration date? I think so. There needs to be more honest sort of left-leaning people like Bill Maher to call this stuff out. Unfortunately, they're all just sort of you know, drinking the woke Kool-Aid and going along to get along. So do you believe there is an expiration date to your point and what can change it? Obviously, getting out to the voting booth uh, because, boy, Biden seems to be drinking the zombie Kool-Aid. Well, he is the chief reanimated corpse leader of the battalion of the Woking Dead. Let me just tell you that right now. Uh, Here's what I'll say. I love your analogies, AJ. They're great. The, (laughs) The litmus test, I think, is probably Virginia. Okay, so Biden, Biden beat Trump by like uh, almost a dozen points. And then 11 months later, because of this stuff, 
because of them letting Steve and Gary go into the women's locker room, the women's bathroom, and pushing the trans nonsense on kids. And then obviously the CRT stuff, you know, they, they sent all these parents home, but parents had time to now look in the textbook. So it kind of backfired. So, you know, if the textbook's filled with, you know, um, Barack Obama's wonderful and Thomas Jefferson was a Klansman and all the schools are being renamed Barack Obama University, you know, elementary and everything else. <laughs> I mean, eventually the, the parents, they rebelled. So I'm looking for a 50 state rebellion in November. You know, Virginia is not deep red. It's purple. So, you know, there's a lot of places around the country where Republicans, if they stick to the issues, if they hit these things, if they talk about cancel culture and CRT, if they talk about the fact that parents are now spending 400 you know, more dollars you know, a month, $6,000 a year because we're being hit in our wallet, we've been hitting our culture, we've been hit medically. So that's the three, the three prongs they're hitting us. They should be able to deliver something bigger than even Yunkin did if they don't blow it. Well, that's the key is getting the message out and being the right messengers. And you're right. There are so many prongs that they could go after right now. Uh, by the way, AJ, I have to ask you, you have been sort of the the powerhouse behind so many of the biggest names in conservative talk radio. I just think about the list goes on and on and on. Why did you feel you needed to speak out now real quick? Well, look, I mean, I I've always um, you know, I've always had an opinion Sometimes when I produce shows, I, I was on air. Sometimes I wasn't. Uh, I want to save the country, okay? I'm from Philadelphia. We invented America. So I'm just trying to do my little part here. I mean, I think people need to, you know, get a copy of The Woking Dead, go to the polls, wave the copy in a bunch of those phony poll watchers' faces, and, and send Pelosi and Schumer packing. We've got to take the country back. We've got to win at the polls. We can change the culture that way. You know, this none of this stuff has to last forever. So we can bring the drawbridge down on the craziness. And we it starts by it starts locally, like in New York City and, you know, then statewide. And then, you know, a couple of years from now, maybe we can get into the White House again. Well, A.J. Rice, I love your passion. I love your new book. It is called The Woking Dead, How Society's Vogue Virus Destroys Our Culture from the great powerhouse PR person and the CEO and, just, and president of Publius PR. Go ahead, A.J. I just want to say one thing to, the, to, to your audience. Not a month goes by where someone in the military, retired or active, brings up Rita Cosby's book, Quiet Hero, to me, Okay. It is it is something that sits with people. If you listen to this show and you have not read this book about her father, Ma- Major Scott Husing was the last one to bring it up to me, who just wrote his Harley across America for 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 veteran suicide. They love you, Rita. You keep fighting. You've always been a fighter, and you're really an important voice to try to you know save this country. Well, you are too, my friend, and you just touched my heart, um, and I am so proud of everything you have done. And you know I love the military because I love this country, and I know you do too. And everybody, more importantly, get AJ's book because it is fantastic. It's called The Woking Dead by my good friend and the superstar PR person of this country. I think you're amazing, AJ. AJ Rice, great to have you here, and thank you for the beautiful words about the military and my love Thank of you. Them. I mean, we love you. We love the audience. We appreciate it. Thanks so much, AJ. And everybody, when we come back, we are going to talk about the Trump raid and now a judge saying he's going to release at least 
part of that affidavit. Is that the right move? I say release most of it. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. We are talking, of course, about now the judge saying he's going to release part of the affidavit. And again, this blockbuster report coming from The Guardian, again, just a report. Uh, But that Trump aides, quote, think a family member may have informed on President Trump to lead to the FBI because FBI agents knew where to search for a specific leather case. I want to know again, was that case in Melania's closet? Was it hiding in one of her skirts? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to BJ on line six. BJ, your thoughts. Excellent show, Rita. Excellent guest. Thank you for having me on. And by the way, BJ, excellent callers. You can't forget that. The best like you. Oh, you're nice. You're dear. Thank you. Uh, you know, I've been saying this all along. This whole Mar-a-Lago is a is a dumpster fire to distract from the the failed uh, Biden administration. But you know, in light your other guest uh, um, interview did with uh, Greg Jarrett, who's really an authority on uh, the uh, the attack on Trump. He did several books on it. Uh, you know, he he's basically he wouldn't say come out and say it, uh, and tell you, but I will. I think they're going to try and indump, indict President Trump. And I think uh, they're trying to move fast on this uh, uh, because come November, the red wave is going to hit. Uh, we need a red wave. And the uh, Republicans are going to try to either move on the 25th Amendment or they're going to try and do something to make certain that Mr. Biden uh, will rethink his uh, 2024 plans. That's my uh, that's that's what I'm thinking here. As for the person who is the uh, the the Iago, the uh, Etu Brute, yep, yeah, that, should... the informant. <laughs> that's right. Yes, I believe. I don't know. I, someone should start asking Chris Christie where he was. I understand he has a very good uh, lay of the lay of the out uh, lay of the land down there. Or at least he used to. So. There's someone in there that either turned on Trump. Uh, uh, I don't think it's a family member. I think that's just PR. I, by but, the way, uh, and BJ, I actually I, I agree with you that I'm skeptical that it's a family member. Yeah. Um, um, and who knows if you know? It, I don't think Chris Christie's been down there for a while. Uh, but uh, you know, but um, he was close he's to an Trump. Easy target. Well, he's an easy target, and that was it. You took the target. You took it. Um, <laughs> the, I'll give you credit for that, Beach. Um, but I think that there could be somebody. I mean, who knows? Maybe it's somebody who works there, who's on the staff. Then you also have to look at the background too. Is it someone maybe who got fired? Is it someone who you know? There, there's a lot of reasons why people, if they do tip off. And the question is also, was there any payoff to the tip off? When I mean payoff, I don't mean money, but I mean like if they said, okay, there's a certain box here and it's three steps to the right. And then, then they find it. 
Was there anything inside? I mean, it might be interesting if it was a bust, right? Who knows? I think it could be Stan. I think he was a cook down there many years ago. (laughs) No, you know what? Stan was a cook, and then Teddy was a waiter, and then Dave was what? uh, The uh, the bus boy, you know? (laughs) Exactly. The the, the revolt of the kitchen staff. Oh, my God. There it is. We got the whole staff, PJ. We got it all in there. PJ, thank you very much. I love your calls. You are terrific. Let's go real quick to Jimmy. Jimmy, line seven. Jim, we got a few seconds left. Go ahead, Jim. Real quick, years ago, drugs alter your consciousness. When you start embracing the Marxist stuff, your consciousness is raised. When your consciousness is raised, you're woke. This whole woke thing is part of the communist movement. It goes back to Antonio Gramsci's strategies. Well, and and Jimmy, by the way, by the way, you're right. It's all this woke craziness. And one thing's for sure, I'm waking up with all of you guys. I love it.